Hi everyone, Lucas Werner here. If you've been enjoying these conversations with artists, I invite you to come visit David's Werner Gallery exhibitions in person. We're located in New York, Los Angeles, London, Paris, and Hong Kong. New exhibitions open each month. Plan your visit at davidswerner.com. Hello, I'm Rikrit Tiravanit, and I'm an artist. I, you know, and I don't even know what I do really. <laughs> do nothing. Um, and my name's Elizabeth Payton, and I'm an artist. From David Werner, this is Dialogues, a podcast about artists and the way they think. I always had a feeling about that when I was in school, about living, like using it, the limitation as a positive thing. And that's a big reason why I was making small pictures, because I always felt like I could just put that work in a suitcase and take it with me wherever, you know, and it would be easier for people to take care of it. Mm. And it could kind of go in a stealthy way out into the world. Right. I, my class is about, like, not doing anything, yeah. right? And But it's, again, it's not about not doing anything. It's mm. about, like, rethinking what it is that one does, you know? And, I mean, I see the role of the artist in society as, like, the counterposition from the rest of the other positions, right? I'm going to not do when everyone's doing. I'm Lucas Werner, and every episode features a conversation. We're taking artists, writers, philosophers, designers, and musicians, and putting them in conversation with each other to explore what it means to make things today. This week's pairing, the artists Rikrit Tiravanija and Elizabeth Payton. In this last episode of the season, we're hosting two artists who are old friends, both legends in their own right, and were also married for a number of years in the 1990s. Rikrit, who will have his first show with the gallery in Hong Kong later this year, is known for art that brings people together. Whether he's cooking curry for his audience or working with his students at Columbia, he embraces art that has a living social dimension. And Elizabeth is one of our great humanist painters, someone who prizes and practices freedom, perhaps above anything else. She's known for her intimate paintings of people, whether they're famous and long dead or friends who are close to her in life. Both Rickrit and Elizabeth emerged in the New York art world of the 90s in the orbit of legendary gallerist Gavin Brown. And over the years, they've built a sort of ersatz artist family all their own. So maybe by way of um, this conversation is making me think one way of, of getting into the conversation is to actually go back in time a little bit or a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it depends how you look at things. It's indeed, it depends <laughs> how you look at things. Um, but it feels like both your moment when, that there's a moment that people are really looking back at the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I'd be very interested to hear what was, ha where were people spending their time just kind of building out that world of the 90s, being an artist at that time in New York, what that felt like? <laughs> Well, we weren't aware it was the 90s, exactly. first of all. So, but um, I don't know what comes to, I was thinking on the way up here was how we were kind of waiting to hang out with people in a way, but we were like going to loads of openings. You what know? do you mean waiting to hang out with people? In what sense? Well, I, 
remember this is like maybe a couple years into the story, but um, Gavin had finally got his gallery and Piat had made a, a dance floor and you made a bar and then you went away. But, you know, Gavin and I were like literally just waiting there for people to come hang out because we thought it'd be so great to have a place where artists hung out. Right. Which so then, this is like Broom Street. Yeah. But before that, um, right. we were hanging out at the Vietnamese restaurant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we had our wedding dinner. Truck. Oh, yeah. And Rickert was putting on shows in the back of the art handling truck that he worked in. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like what kind of, what, what, what do you mean, temporary shows? Or when the yeah. truck, when the Ricky truck was. Ricky Albende had a show there. And you would take it to Soho. We would drive it around. Go to collector's and houses. Park it and just open it up and people would go in and look at the show. It's interesting because it was really like, it seemed, okay, first it feels smaller. Everything feels like much the circle seemed smaller in the sense that we seem to know most people. And yeah. I'm sure everybody has that at perception, right? Also, the money had left yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And so people, you know, I think every, every generation that comes to that world probably is doing a level of, let's have a show in the storage space, let's have a show in this parking garage. But that's really where everything was happening, Yeah, it felt like. No, and there was, like, you know, people like Eric Oppenheim. Yeah, my first show in the bathroom of the Novicento well, on the first... West Broadway. Oh, no, it wasn't my first show. No, you've had shows No, before, I had a proper but, show But that was, that. like, a, yeah. Was... So that was that, that show. Yeah. And then Gavin did a lot of little shows Office in space. different spaces. spaces exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he did one on Madison Avenue just, you know, because people were renting, like, little, little, like little cubby holes, so they would have an address on Madison Avenue. So this idea of like, <laughs> no, it used to be like you oh, know things it. would. If you had a business, you had to be on Madison, right? So he went and got a little <laughs> office space and did a show. And yeah, I mean, it's interesting because at that time it was really kind of. Um, I mean, I think it's a lot of this idea of like self-organized thing, mm -hmm. right? And and it was really more about energy. Mm. I think it was also in keeping with what we were studying or definitely what, you know, in our postmodern classes in school about, you know, going outside of the institutions. Mm. And so maybe the financial situation and what we were studying also was all going together to, you know, be that we could frame different places as our places to work. And when you say sure. going out of institutions, you mean sort of like breaking out of the museum, typical museum space? Well, or I wouldn't have even had access to that. that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, or not necessarily thinking a gallery is the... Space that where art needs to be shown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not being dependent on being that. More direct. I mean, you know, because it seemed like there were like galleries with artists that were... I mean, you know, there were people, I mean, there, it's all in time, but I guess, yeah. you know, the, you could see that there's a whole kind of the establishment and then there were like the other people. And what did the establishment, because, I mean, coming out of the 80s, so you had all those 80s painters who I guess were Yeah, we dominant, would go visit right? all those galleries, like Mary Boone, Leo Castelli. Sonnabend. Yeah. Um, Sonnabend. Paula. Yeah. Paula. Cooper. No, those, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, when I landed, right, I mean, East Village scene was ha starting to happen. So yeah. there was still, like, even graffiti, mm. you know, um, Gracie oh, Mansion, yeah. and then Pat Hearn opened, like, around the corner from 7th Street. Mm -hmm. 
And then Colin had a space also on Sixth Street, right? Mm. And oh, so, yeah. you know, so and there were like all these. So there was like Soho galleries, but there were like East Village galleries. So I suppose it would be like if you look at it now, it'd be kind of like Lower East Side versus, say, Chelsea as a kind of, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I think a lot of it, of course, has to do with like New York kind of uh, topology, right? Like. I mean, East Village was cheap, you know, the spaces were small and they're still small yeah. and cheap, you know, and, and whereas like Soho, you could get a bigger loft or whatever. So it's, it's all about like, yeah, people like just kind of being able to afford it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we could all live in the city. Yeah. Um, yeah. And pay our like $200. But what's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I remember reading something there was, uh, maybe it was your you, you maybe it's in the in the profile on you the two hundred ninety dollar a month rent or something like that for a three bedroom apartment. Yeah. Well, not three bedroom. It was like we were three people sharing an apartment. <laughs> it's like a three room space. You know, it's 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 not a small place. It's but a beautiful. It's, yeah, place. it's actually weirdly right about right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So you know, it's and yeah, and that was like back then. I mean, to pay two two ninety. In the East Village on Seventh Street between B and C was probably too much, right? You know, right, like right, my right. neighbors were probably paying ninety bucks, you know. Wow. Yeah. Right, right, right. But it's interesting. I mean, I was, I've been thinking a lot about this conversation, and and you know, one of the things and one of the reasons I asked is that there's this, there's a smallness to everything that you're describing, or it feels like there's um, a localness to that moment mm-hmm. um, in the '90s, and that. Part of the myth- mythology, if you want to call it that, or the origin story of many artists from that period is around a smallness, a guerrilla style, whether it's Jason Rhodes or, you know, showing out of the back of a truck or your show in the Chelsea Hotel. Elizabeth, like there's all these mythologies around that. And it seems to me that that's not like that's not available to artists or it doesn't feel as available to artists now younger artists and i wonder if if you guys it certainly could be yeah i mean you could just go do anything anywhere if you wanted to especially right now with all this empty office space i was thinking there might be another wave of performance in midtown Mm. you know kind of thing yeah i mean it's it's you know again like you see how people have to kind of find their spaces and of course it starts to go like bushwick or whatever you know yeah. red ridgewood or whatever you know it starts to go you know the periphery mm-hmm. starts to be bigger in that sense right because of course i mean but i mean i kind of say well you know but then you could go to you know detroit you know right. or kansas city or but all i know, mean is I'll just say that th- that doesn't seem to be what's actually happening, right? Though that's possible in theory, it yeah. seems like there's a movement. Younger, younger artists, even younger and younger, are making these moves into much more visible spaces, whether they're big galleries. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a premium on making that kind of a career move. I think yeah. there's a different... Well, I, I couldn't speak for anybody, but I do think it, it was coming out of um, not just because we didn't have money, but it really was a a point of view of of how one wanted to move around in the world and bring our art into the world, you know, and a kind of economy about what you needed, which wasn't much, actually, to make us, make, to land. 
you know, yeah. and put your voice out there. I think there's, I noticed when I was last teaching, there's just a lot of different expectations about the goal. Yeah. You know. What, what, would you say more about that? Like, what do you, what did you perceive uh, well, the goal? Well, I can't really expect, uh, speak for anybody but from my experience with some students i felt like they um success was a was not so much about the inside of their relationship with the work as much as all the outside stuff it's very cliche and of no, course no, no. <laughs> in a way i would say that but um i don't know i just think it's all possible still no i guess that's that's what's interesting is that it was possible then it's still possible now but then it was really happening like that seemed to be the foundations were being sown and, for you know well, and we looked at of course the people from the 50s and the 60s in yeah. that way too right that they were somehow managing to do things that you know didn't seem like yeah i mean it's completely yeah, a, a whole whole way of being outside of the space kind of yeah structure right and but i think of course like i must say that um i mean art has a kind of different economy you know and i mean it it's it's certainly i mean even this idea of nfts you know like the idea that more people would be engaged into it has i think to do with also the idea that there's economy there's a financialization yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely you know? so i think and so i would say that for me i think um i mean we didn't think about it that way i still don't think about it that way right i still don't think oh i'm gonna um i i mean i don't think about like what happens financially with the work ever right, you right, know? right or why right. am i doing it for any reason it's just more to do with some other reason right um but of course i think at the same time then you know everything is also like tripled you know like i mean students who goes to school today are you know having to pay for a lot to you know to go to grad school to go to art school you know mm. i mean everything seems exponentially like you know so they have to become an art star right away to get out of <laughs> then you end up having you know then you end up having to yeah you have to think about finances and things like that you yeah. know i mean so it's a question it's a big question you know i mean um, and you've taught like in germany so it's a little bit different of course in other places right i mean it's different in thailand yeah, i found in germany everybody was very focused i mean some great students of course but um but something definitely from the school is being dangled out there about a uh, career uh-huh. definitely yeah and that's it that word career, career yeah. you know yeah like i would <laughs> your never, favorite word <laughs> and you know like you guys talking about career well, yeah, you, you know like we never like, think did, about how that did you idea get a gallery yeah but it's not it's just of course even, you want to have a future and you want to be able to eat and exactly so but, nothing wrong with that i mean not I don't have any problem with you know work being valuable and all that of course but more what you need to do to make the work or get it out there or right. the means to do it. Yeah and then you know and then there. on the other hand of course you also then the more you do the more you kind of then have to find ways to do it also yeah. right? Yeah. What so do you mean by I, that? You, well, yeah. I mean, like, I, I realized <laughs> I like, early. Okay, I thought I understood, but I don't think. Well, I like, early on, I, and I say this to my students, like, I, I don't have a studio, for right, example. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not, like, um, I have, I work with a lot of people, but I don't have a, 
I don't have a place. I don't have to pay rent for a space <clears throat> and and whatever it is that I do, I don't have to store it. I mean, right. you know, I don't try, I don't, I mean, I do have some things I have to keep and things like that, but I don't, I mean, in a way I've kind of found a system where I don't have to have a lot to, con, you know, to exist in that sense, right? So, but once you start and then you, you know, I mean, simply even if as a student, once you make all these works just for school, you got to put them somewhere. Yeah. You're going to have to keep them somewhere. You're going to. I always had a feeling about that when I was in school about living, like using it, the limitation as a positive thing. Right. And that's a big reason why I was making small pictures, because I always felt like I could just put that work in a suitcase and take it with me wherever, you know, and it would be easier for people to take care of it. Mm. And it could kind of go in a stealthy way out into the world. Right. Yeah, and your and early works damaged. were basically recycled things. Oh, right? yeah, I was you working used... on windows that I found on the, right, the, glass, yeah. Yeah. the street and, yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. I, I like those limitations mm. because there's so many choices to make anyway. So you can get a lot out of not not much. Yeah. I always find that really exciting. The, I kind of feel I have to ask you, Rika, just because you've, Basically, I mean, you've been teaching since, what, the... Last century. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm a, maybe 30 years or something like that. or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, 25. About 25 yeah. years. So, and have you noticed some of what we're talking about among mm -hmm. the students? I mean, you, Elizabeth, sort of said that you had noticed something, this career sensibility, if you want to call it that, but that mixed in there's still amazing students who are, of course, there always will be. And... Yeah. And of course, there's a good way of thinking about the career as well. Like ambition is not a a bad thing that that drive because that's gets your work out there. But I think what you're talking about, Rickard, is no. I mean, different. I think it's it's just like um, I mean, I of course one, I try to instill a sense of like uh, no compromise in the sense, like you know, to kind of if you're gonna do something, do it all the way. Mm. Which can mean a lot of commitment when you don't have, you know, financial structure, right? Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, that commitment maybe is also like about like taking your time doing things mm. or like, you know, because you want to do it right or you want to get that idea to the right place. So, mm. so I like to try to say to them, you know, take your time, you right. know, don't rush. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, and I think within that time structure, of course, you have to think and do things, but, you know, it's not like you're going to make the masterpiece, like, for your, you know, show at the end of the school year. You right, know? right. You'd probably be better down the line to kind of come up with something, like, that has a bigger impact. But, you know, it's about, I mean, for me, of course, it's always been about, like, finding yourself or finding your place. Yeah. You know, the self and the place where one could be comfortable and thinking and free in some sense. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's very hard to, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm teaching and I keep saying that, of course, I'm there to do the opposite of teaching because I think, I mean, you know, in a way, like, because you can't really teach how to be, how to be an artist, you know, but you can model it in some way, right? Like you can, you can, you can show a way of being in the world, which is what you say is more in a pursuit of freedom than being a participant in a 
I don't know, financial economy or the things that actually most people do most of the time, which are absolutely fine, but are not necessarily what it means to be an artist, right? Yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, and it feels like when I've seen you with your students, I mean, the last time I saw you, you showed up at a dinner that was intended oh, for right. you with four <laughs> students in tow. And it felt clear that you were modeling a non, it wasn't about how to do things the right way, right? It was sort of like how to be in a situation in an authentic way mm. or in a, in, a, in a genuine way, you know? Yeah. yeah. There is no right way. Yeah. I think there is a lot you can teach actually to students, like a combination of teaching and also really being an agent of saying it's okay to, to do, to be yourself mm -hmm. and to do what you want. And um, there's so much anxiety about, um, you know, say even people painting or yeah. things like that. But there's, I think there's a lot of teaching one can do about, you know, you're using your body to make art. You need to take care of it. Mm. You know, stuff like that, very basic. Mm. You know, or you use good tools right. or purposely use really bad Bad tools, tools. <laughs> but know what you're using because that's going to make such a big difference yeah. on the marks you make on the, you know, because it's so unfashionable to actually teach anything yeah. in these really great schools. People often don't even understand the mediums they're using. Or, so right. it's on, a, on a very basic level, you can really help people out in a teaching environment. Yeah. Because well, it's like, oh, new. I mean, I even feel the function inserting yourself between the students and whatever these structures are that are exerting pressure, you know, mm. like whether they're market forces or they're critical forces or there's some kind of, they seem a lot of them to have to do with speed and technology. Yeah. Well, and it's all like, I mean, it's all relative. Everyone has a different trajectory and reason for being, you know, so it's not like something, you know, but I think, yeah, I mean, that idea of, I mean, I always talk more about mapping and, you know, like just like, you know, like be able to show the path or like the idea that there are paths and, and one is able to choose, you know. It's interesting that you brought up NFTs because I, there's a line that I liked, Elizabeth, that you said at the end of, I mean, it's very funny that both of you have had these very overlapping lives in some way and then you both get New Yorker profiles by the same writer. It's like very kind of eccentric, um, like a couple of years apart. But anyway, at the end of your Calvin Tompkins profile, Elizabeth, you say, um, you're talking about Proust and you say, you know, it's important that um, that artwork expresses what it is to be human and part of being human is that time passes. Right? That time passing is just part of the human experience. And um, it feels to me that there's a lot less room in the artist world in which we live now for time to simply be allowed to pass, quote unquote, unproductively, whatever that means. I mean, again, being an artist, nothing is unproductive, theoretically, right? Yeah. I mean, I, my class is about like not doing anything. Yeah. Right. And, but it's, again, it's not about not doing anything. It's mm -hmm. about like rethinking what it is that one does, you know? And I mean, I see the role of the artist in society as like the, you know, counterposition from the rest of the other positions, right? Which is to say, yeah, yeah I'm going to not do what everyone's doing, yeah. you know? And I think that's just, I mean, maybe like I would say, and this is a discussion I have with my peers, is like, we just doubt, we have doubts about everything, yeah, you know? And, and from that position, we can like, 
then place ourselves, mm. you know, in terms of like how we think, why things are, right? Meaning almost like you're skeptics. Yes. Highly skeptical, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, but it's not like a kind of negative thing. It's about like, you know, looking at the corner of things rather than the middle of things, right. you know? It's not as if we don't take position, you right. know? Um, but at the same time, it's it's like, but when we're in a position to be able to do that, mm. I mean, you know. Well, I think it's it's also a discipline of being free, you know, when you're an artist. And that's something I think I wake up and sort of brush against every day to remember to, that's my job. It's to be free, yeah. In a way, and to make my mind free. Wow. So um, this stuff can happen. Yeah. Well, when you get hung up on being productive in a literal way, I mean, your hands got to be in there. You're, you're doing, but you have to like trust in the opening up of yourself in a much different way than any of that world is about, and you know, really make yourself free. Mm. And. I say things like, you know, to be free, you don't, you know, you, you have to just understand that there are things, I mean, as an, I, 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 okay. So I say, if you think like as an artist, like an artist, you are able to do anything. Mm -hmm. And which also means like, you, you know, like that you don't always have to make art. Sure. You can make many other things. You could support yourself doing a lot of different things. Um, and then art would be the thing, the other thing that you do, which is, you know, so there are like different ways of surviving Yeah. that I think as an artist, one should be able to like think about how to like find your way around things. Right. Not hold on too tight to one thing. Yeah. yeah. And I would say for me and that, that, I mean, you know, I would say maybe that's a place where you can become more free because you're not dependent just on like the idea of having to make art. Right. Right. right Most right, people right. don't agree with that because they think, well, one has to be free to make art, but I'm kind of saying you're more free if you don't have to, you know. Right. If your financial pressure is dealt with through some other thing that allows you to be genuinely yeah. free in your creative production, theoretically. Yeah. Or on, on the other hand, also like all the other things you do is informing your art. Yeah. Always. The worst job in the world is informing, like, everything you do, you know? Mm. So I I tend to, and then, you know, and I can say, well, you know, I have a job. I'm teaching, yeah. you know? It's not like I'm not working, you know, like I, I'm, like, free to roam around. But, yeah, to get to that position, I've done a lot of other jobs, you yeah. know? And it's, and, and I, and I do say, you know, and I'm ready to go and do other jobs if I don't have this job, you know? Right. So, but one has to kind of, you know, understand that one's capable of doing that and that it's not like, you just got to have to use it. Yeah. I mean, it was also, there's, um, there's fear involved in not, you know, there's a lack of fear once you accept that if this job gets taken away, if this career goes away, it's okay because I'm the agent of this thing to begin with. And if I have to turn my mind to do something else, that will be okay. You know, mm -hmm. but getting people there, that seems to be like one of the things that, a, that an arts education, an arts educator could really do in some way is instill that or remove some of that fear in some way, you know, which 
is certainly what the world wants you to feel because I think the normal world, as it were, doesn't want people to be free. It wants you to be committing to something, tracked into something, you know. But I think it's the thing that people admire the most in other people, why they love actors and and, um, artists and writers. They imagine that we're all very free. Yes. And, you know, outliving our lives for people who aren't aren't free sort of thing. But then even all those people are also not that free. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. You have to, you have to, it's a, it's a discipline, yeah. I feel like. I liked what you were saying, that there's, there's a work involved in, um, and in maintaining that freedom. A, it's a practice. Yeah. I, I think yeah. uh, there's a constant learning about it within yourself, what it means. And I also would like to say that, you know, we are talking here, sitting in New York City, even like. You know, we're sitting in a sphere that is like there are other spheres outside and there are people surviving and making art outside of this sphere Mm. that we don't even know or, you know, we're, you know, slowly maybe find out. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I know young artists in Thailand that nobody's ever seen and they're like, and they don't have a museum, they don't have a gallery. Right. But they continue to make art. And they continue to do other things, but, you know, they continue to make art. And if, you know, young artists or even old artists in Thailand could do that, right. and continue to be artists, I mean, you know, I don't see why you can't do that in the middle of New York, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is we have to remember that there, this is just one place mm-hmm. with one structure and system. And that this is what our perspective is narrowly here now. But, you know, there are people out there that are continuing to do that, you know. When we, to go back to the beginning of the yeah. story, when we were first showing, and record maybe showing a couple of years before me, um, it wasn't, there wasn't that much, many eyes on the art world in that way. It wasn't cool, like, right. the, or anything like that. So maybe one didn't have the expectation that there was this one kind of model of success like there is in New York City, say, now. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff wasn't, was all to come. <clears throat> and it's funny to think that we might have been a part of it in our, like, actually doing something that was sort of very well, different. That's kind of why I began that with that conversation about the 90s, because it's sort of like unbeknownst in a way to either of you, you find yourself you are still at the center in some way of these now structures that have formed around what each of you was doing in a very, in a much smaller, you know, more casual way. Um, And I wonder if that's something that you ever think about. (laughs) I'm always really surprised when I remember, like, um, I'm very grateful that I get to do what I do. I really am. But it's a bit of a surprise that, you know, that I do get to do it because <laughs> it's not the most likely thing in a way. And it certainly wasn't at the time I started to show. Right. Um, so I just, I think I forget about it a lot, actually. Do you mean, spe- do you mean ge- the general thing of being an artist or specifically the kind of art that you make? I mean, not to be, I'm not being a narcissist no. here. I do <laughs> think that it was particularly not right. You know, it wasn't, but I felt like it was really missing. And that it was very right. But uh, around me was not a world that was saying this was what we want or anything like that. And it's still not a world that is saying we want feminine, you know, paintings. Um, 
guess it does. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it clearly does. Luckily, <laughs> you know, I'm very grateful I get to do what I do. I but can't tell you. What drew you guys to each other's work? You know, because I, I've been thinking a lot today about the similarities. There's a kind of openness to what the world presents, whether that's the images that the world is feeding in that you are picking up on or just having people be in the work and activate the work. Are you raising your hand? I am. <laughs> well, I think that both of our work is very accessible on the surface, you know, as a way of entering it. I know with with Rick, often people would think, oh, this sweet guy cooking, so, so sweet. I mean, he's very sweet, but it was also a way of gathering people together. And then from there, well, what would happen? So much could happen. It's not necessarily sweet. Right, right. You know, and I think my work also, um, people can look at it and know what other humans are, and there's a way into it, you mm. know, with color and things like that, that you get drawn in. Gavin used to always say about us, well, they're populous. That's what they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, very for the people. Um and he was such an important connection point for you both, right, Gavin Brown? I mean, his Absolutely. name has come up such a and legendary... And he still is again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should have him here. Yeah, exactly. I know. I wonder what he would say. I He'd have to... a lot to say because <laughs> he's so much a part of... That story. The story. Yeah. But I, I think it's like, again, I was starting with this idea of the energy, you know, like, I mean, there wasn't... I mean, and the spirit, you know, I mean, so we... I. And that's how I usually approach art and artists anyway. You know, I approach the person, mm -hmm. you know, and and from that, that then I, you know, go out f from there. Yeah. But. It felt important to me, your work, when I first met you. I mean, it still does, but I felt like this is necessary. Yeah, like it was making, I, I like we said, it's making a space for things to happen and it, there's an accessibility, but then what happens in that space is unpredictable in the best sense of the word. Yeah, sometimes it could be really scary. Oh, but, and I think Elizabeth is doing that. Yes. I mean, she's making what's necessary for her, you know, yeah. and that's where also all the energy comes from. That's know? very interesting that, that at root it's, I mean, you're saying it's, it's sort of like identifying the thing that each person needs to make for themselves as opposed to the thing that maybe they think would plug a hole somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, or, or be relevant or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the feeling I need, I really need this. Yeah. Right. To survive. Yeah. Yeah. I need to see this or experience this. And I mean, again, we can cut this out or not talk about it, but I'm the, the different accounts of your meeting and subsequent elopement or, or very rapid marriage there's there was there's a there's a there's a kind of green card version of the story as it were but underneath that it also feels like there's a deep connection you know it wasn't like the, just like destiny destiny yeah <laughs> no because it's just like we you know we met and then we were in this room and then you know uh, yeah i don't know Rick it's said, like, oh, I was like how are you and Richard said, I need to get married. And I said, I'll marry you. Exactly. And I totally met, meant it. Yeah, and yeah. we were together like every day from that moment. Yeah. That's amazing. 
and you and and your friendship has just remained. It seems like it's something that's been a huge part of your lives. Yes, I mean yeah. we're our family. Yeah, not even Christ. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're fa- you know it's a family relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also because kinship. of Gavin, actually, mm-hmm. I think you yeah, because the the gallery feeling also is such a family. Yeah. Too, but yeah. yes. And did you, have you guys been, like, has there been cross-communication in your practices? Like, is there conversation about what you're working on or what you're working on? Is that part of the the regular dialogue or? No. No? We talk about taxes. Taxes, yeah. <laughs> that's our latest. Uh, really? No, no, but, but I, I, I think that's. The artists, the young artists listening to this will that's, love to hear that's that. the That's the joke. Bankers talk about art and artists talk, talk about, about taxes. taxes. No, but I think and that um, is true with, I mean, I mean, with most friends, we don't really talk about the work. Like, yeah. you know, we so, talk about the life. Yeah, we of talk course. about what we're thinking, what we're eating, what we're reading. Yeah. yeah. But that informs the work, of you course. know, and, and I mean, those are the kinds of things which make me understand what Elizabeth is thinking about and doing and, you know, yeah. what she's looking at. And yeah. Yeah, it's like the... The pot, everything's mixing in. Yeah. And is, you know, it's just kind of curious to ask just because it feels like it must play a role, but it's such a weird time right now that we're in. And, um, it's not weird to ask. No, no, it's, it's, it's almost like one has to ask. I'm just curious how in each of your lives you're processing that or, you know, if everything that happens in life plays a role in the way that the art comes out, as it were. Um, how does the tenor of the world, obviously I'm talking about the political situation primarily, but other mm-hmm. things too. I'm yeah. looking at a lot more news than I usually do. Uh-huh. And also watching all Zelensky's speeches yes. and reading them. Yeah. It's good to see that the measure is so equal of this incredible goodness. I mean, you couldn't make it up. And this very bad, dark energy. Yeah. Pouring out at the same time. No, I mean, I think it's it's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to think about doing things when you know that there are people dying, yeah. right? I mean, there's a war. And uh, so, you know, it's... And I can, like, see how Elizabeth would deal with it and how I would deal with it. Right. And, and do you notice, is, is that something that, you know, are the students... <sighs> finding it difficult to make things in this moment? Mm, I think they still, I'm no. no, I think that they're like not processing it the same way I do. Uh, mm. Partly because, you know, I think also like it's, it's a, I mean, you know, the human is changing, right? What, do you, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, they, I mean, that information or the process of how one takes information in and all those things, mm-hmm. how one perceives information is different. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I, I mean, I, I take it in it. I mean, I can see that what I feel about what I'm seeing and hearing and all that, I take, like, I think about it in a different way than I think what my student would, you know. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's hard to say. I think it's just kind of, I mean, the COVID thing, of course, is a very big, you know, kind of impact on on everyone. And I think 
everyone is still trying to like kind of find their way out of that, right? Would, would, would say a little bit, would you say a little more? Like when you say, can you identify some of what you think that impact has been? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people felt like kind of, well, one, one thing interestingly is the fact of like the kind of like distance, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, so everyone speaks about like, oh, how great it is to suddenly be sitting around the table together, right? Or to see each other in, in, in person rather than through like a screen, you know, though, of course, they already ex living through the screen anyway you know, in, 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 in a certain way. So, um, and I think, yeah, I think people are still trying to process how to like, kind of come to terms with like the distance, Yeah, mm. you know. That's very different from when we started showing. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have this kind of situation, but we also didn't have phones. Yeah. So our sense of community was, was so actual. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's great aspects of the phone too. I'm not just dissing the phone, but um, the community was so um, rich, nothing to do with money. You know, it just like gave you <laughs> that support yeah. that, that, yeah. that, that I was going to ask a lot of others. Yeah. I'm going to ask about that because the, 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 the digitalization that's been, that's happened so rapidly especially in the last two years, it's very complicated, you know, and certain things translate really well and certain things like uh, an experiential piece by you don't translate at all. You know, it's sort of mm. like it, it, it's, it creates this. I mean, I was even thinking on my way over that probably certain paintings that you make actually translate very well on a screen. You know what I mean? Like they look vivid. People can respond to them. Some images do that and some images don't, right? Or some practices mm -hmm. don't. And that's this other layer that I've been noticing as we all work through the world of experiences, digital and physical, that some things work really well digitally and some things really don't. And it's... And when you see them in real life, they can have a very different energy to them yeah. than you yeah. think. But it's also like people may not think they even need to see it in real life, you know? Yeah. That's the whole other thing. But I think those are all like kind of really good problems. Yeah. At least for artists to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, those are problems for artists to think and deal and, yeah, you know, how, what is it that, what, how do you still, you know, where are we going to go? Yeah. You know. Do you mean literally where are we going to go? <laughs> I mean, you know, with, with all those. I oh, mean, where's I, this going? Yeah. You I know, see. where you is mean. it going? And I mean, and right. on the other hand, I, I feel like, of course, as artists, maybe there there is a kind of counter, you know, movement, right? Mm. You know, I would agree. Um, I mean, in the last years, a lot. Of, I mean, all the artists that I deal with at school, you know, everyone's making ceramics. Yeah, uh -huh. and there's a reason for that, right? I mean, mm. why is you know why are filmmakers making ceramics or you know like you know, so everyone is got, having to kind of put their hand on something. Wow. You know? And I think that's, that's, that is some kind of a, yeah, that's a kind of sign, right? Of right. Like, um, so I, I would think like at some point there would be, you know, certain focus, you know, because in the end we still need those instincts. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have them. Yeah. No, I feel that too. I feel that there's going to be, 
it's almost like the, the heightened exposure to the screens in the last two years just made certain things that were hidden very clear, like these hierarchies about what works digitally and what doesn't, which is something that we all, we didn't realize that, you know, what's happening on Instagram has a lot to do with what translates digitally and what doesn't. It's not about the object itself. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. I just found out why on like a Netflix series, why all the clothing is so brightly colored. It looks good on a tiny looks good screen. On a small screen. <laughs> I just thought, because I was like, why are my teenage nieces always wanting these rainbow striped? Um, I mean, they're great, but, <laughs> you know, where are they getting that from? No, but the feedback loop between screen and real life, it's yeah. almost like that became clear. Mm-hmm. And as and, and as we now return to in-person experiences, it's like, you don't want, when you go to a party, you don't want to see everyone wearing a neon, a bright neon dress. You know what I mean, it's like, that's not a sign of what you actually want. Neither do you want to be in a room with only paintings that are sort of like have extreme contrast. You know what I mean? That's because contrast is one of the things that seems to get people's attention on the screen, right? But it's even like, you <laughs> don't even know if it's true, right? Because you you could, you could just you know, put the filter or yeah, you could just, that's right. So, you know, there is no real surface even. Right. right so right, right. that's, that's the thing. And then, and of course, like if you are not from a time where you question, all, I mean, that's why I think like this idea of doubt is like, so you crucial. know, if you don't question all these things, you, then you, you believe in that reality, you know? And, uh, and mm. I think that's an interesting area to think and work on. Um, Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you guys. Right. It was so, it's really so nice. nice. To talk with you. Yeah, really nice to talk with you both. I felt very energized by it, actually. Good. Good. Let's go get them. <laughs> Dialogues is produced by David Zwerner. You can find out more about the artists on this series by going to davidswerner.com slash dialogues. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does help other people discover the show. I'm Lucas Werner. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you join us again next time.